Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the church right now. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. Hello, brothers and sisters. My name is Ralph Martin. I'm president of Renewal Ministries. I'm also a director of graduate theology student uh, studies in the uh, New Evangelization at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Archdiocese of Detroit. And I'd like to speak to you today about a fairly personal topic. I'm going to title this talk, The Irreducible Loneliness of Life on This Earth. So uh, I think everybody experiences loneliness at one point or another. Some experience loneliness as a continual part of their life. Uh, some people live alone. Some people are literally alone. They have no relatives. They have no friends. Uh, but everybody, in one way or another, at one time or another, experiences loneliness. You can be in a good marriage or a good friendship and still experience loneliness. You can have lots of friends and still experience uh, being alone at times. You can even wonder if you have a lot of friends, how many do you really have? Uh, there's just lots of uh, underlying things in our life that sometimes leads us to feel lonely. And a lot of times we are lonely because we are alone in a particular situation. We're facing a situation that nobody else understands. We're facing a situation that we don't feel like we can share with anybody else. And so um, that's just a kind of part of human life. It's not just part of uh, our experience now and then, but there's an underlying reality. You might want to call it a metaphysical or ontological loneliness that's part of the human condition. We are not, we don't have a city here below. We're not in our homeland. We're banished from Eden. We're exiles in some very, very real way. The, the prayer, Hail Holy Queen, uh, says it really well. It says, Hail Holy Queen. Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Two do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. And we, we have been banished from paradise. Uh, Adam and Eve were expelled from paradise. They were thrown out of intimacy with the Lord that was natural to them. They were thrown out of a paradise, uh, a blessed garden, a blessed relationship. And the Lord put an angel with flaming swords at the, the gate of paradise so that they couldn't return. So us human beings are exiled. Us human beings are banished from paradise. And we're now on earth to work out our salvation, which is our return to paradise with fear and trembling. Uh, yes, the door has been opened to paradise, but it will not be able to be fully experienced until we die and receive our risen bodies and, and be with the Lord as he intended from the beginning, completely, fully, the fulfillment of all desire, if you will. To do we, to do we cry, poor banished children of Eve? To you do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears? 
sometimes we just sigh with the, the weariness of life, or we sigh with the, another sorrow we've just heard about, or we sigh with the pain and suffering that are, we are experiencing, or that people close to us are experiencing, or people far away from us are experiencing. As we grow in our union with the Lord, we may experience compassion in wider and wider ways and uh, empathize with the suffering of the human race more and more. Turn then, most gracious advocate, your eyes of mercy towards us. And after this exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. We have to be made worthy of the promises of Christ. That means living in this fallen world living in this creation that's groaning and travailing, living in the midst of mourning and sighing uh, in a way that draws us into deeper union with the Lord. Jesus was extremely alone, looking at it from a human point of view. Nobody really understood him. Mary probably came closest. In fact, we know she came closest, but even she didn't get the whole picture didn't get the whole picture. And, uh, you know, when Jesus was in the temple 12 years old, she says she was filled with anxiety and said, why did you do this to your father and myself? And so Mary, Mary didn't get certain things about Jesus until the full illumination came. Uh, we can talk about that some other time. But anyway, right now we're in exile. We've been banished and is mourning and weeping. You know, Jesus tells us in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are mourned because they'll be comforted. There's an underlying mourning part of life on this earth. It's another way of talking about the underlying loneliness, the underlying imperfection, the, the underlying pain of, of life on this earth. So let's talk a little bit more about what we can understand about it and what we can do to lean into it in a good way. This came home to me recently, uh, a while ago, this Memorial Day this past year. Uh, my wife and myself, a married daughter who lives near us, and my sister and brother-in-law all went out to a cemetery near us in Chelsea, Michigan, and uh, visited the graves of my sister and my parents who were buried out there. They uh, at the age of 75, they left New Jersey and moved out to Michigan to be near their children. And all their children in a year or two left to move to other places except for us. Now my other sister's back again. So uh, my parents are buried there. That's a little town they lived in. And also the uh, the son of my sister and brother-in-law is buried there. He He died at the age of 14. He drowned in Lake Michigan. He died on his birthday, the Feast of St. Francis. So he's there and my parents are there and the rest of us have bought graves because that's probably where we'll be too. So while we were there and my, my daughter, my married daughter came out, I have uh, five married daughters and the only one that lives in the area is uh, Catherine and she's married to a wonderful guy and they have five children and uh, Catherine and the youngest, the baby about one year old came out with us to the Memorial Day Mass in the cemetery and at the end of the Mass, uh, we introduced 
grandchild number 19 to my parents and to Tim. Just kind of trying in the, in the spirit to say, here, here's number 19. Here's, here's Margaret Jane. Uh, pray for her too. Uh, so we all can be with you, you know, forever in heaven. And at the end of our time at the seminary, my sister said something interesting. She said, I wonder when we die and we're buried here, if anybody will come out to visit us because the rest of our children, the rest of their children, the rest of our grandchildren are scattered across the country in, in Ohio and Maryland and Virginia and California, uh, various places like North Carolina. And so she just said, I wonder if anybody will come out to visit our graves when we're buried here. She said, well, maybe Catherine, if Catherine still is living in the area. But one of the things that made me realize is that life is going very, very quickly and relationships pass and people forget. You know, people remember for a while people that they love while they were here on earth, but they die and then life goes on and life gets busy. And of course, you sometimes remember certain people to the end of your life, you know, those that you were closest to, but not a lot of people remember. And uh, a lot of people who were friends, acquaintances, get caught up in their own life and, and don't remember, as we know from our own experience. So life is a process of detachment. It's a process of letting go letting go of certain plans and hopes and dreams that haven't come to pass or can't come to pass, uh, letting go of unrealistic understandings of what relationships can be, uh, beginning to accept imperfection in relationships and perfection in life. And uh, just the, the passing of things and the passing of relationships. So I would like to read a couple of scripture passages that give us a little perspective on what's happening right now, what we're experiencing right now, and what we can do to respond to it in a good way. You know, one of the one of the ways sometimes loneliness expresses itself is say we're we're in a good marriage, we're in a good friendship, and our, our spouse has to leave to do something for a while, and we're alone in the house, and everything reminds us of that spouse. And uh there's a certain agony that kind of can set an agony of loneliness and, and having to kind of figure out what to do about it. And one of the things that Jesus said that we need to remember, he, he one day he said, the father and I, the father is always with me. I'm never alone. And that can be true for us too. So the experience of loneliness can be an invitation to draw closer to the father to remind ourselves of who loves us more than anybody in the whole world, which is God the Father and his beloved son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who's been poured out into our hearts, and use the moments of loneliness as an opportunity to turn more fully to the Lord, maybe pray a little bit more, a little, spirit, a little spiritual reading, uh, don't immediately turn to things to fill the emptiness in our soul, don't immediately turn to eating or drinking or watching TV or whatever uh, to fill the emptiness in our soul. But let the emptiness in our soul begin to be filled more and more by the Lord and accept the fact that there's going to be separation here in life. There's going to be sometimes even the breakdown of relationships. Sometimes there's going to be even betrayal. Sometimes there's going to be horrible abandonment. 
or abuse or who knows what. Uh, I, I know people who have been dropped off at nursing homes by their family with, with no ongoing care and no ongoing relationship. I know people who are alone. Uh, I know people who have been in the hospital for months and months and even years and nobody's visited them. I know people who've been in prison and nobody's visited them. Uh, I know people who've been abandoned for all practical purposes by every other soul on the face of the earth. And there's terrible pain and there's terrible loneliness and there's terrible suffering, but it can be an opportunity to discover the one who loves us more than anyone and is committed to love us more than anyone. So let's take a look at a couple of scripture passages that can help us get some perspective. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 to 13. Love never ends. Even the imperfect love we have on this earth, if we are steadfast in it, if we're faithful to it, it will never end. It will go with us into eternity. And hopefully I'll remember to read to you a little something from Catherine of Siena where she says that so beautifully. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For our knowledge is imperfect. Everything on this earth is imperfect. We imperfectly know. We imperfectly love. But when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. Yay! May the perfect come. The perfect that comes, of course, is God. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. You know, the footnote in my Bible says there were bronze mirrors in those days, and they were really high-quality bronze, but they were hazy. They, they didn't give a clear image. So in that kind of bronze mirror, you didn't see clearly. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall understand fully, even as I have been fully understood. So right now we're perfectly known and loved by God. You know, one of the expressions that's going around these days is, I see you, I notice you, I recognize you. Uh, I, I remember when I first came across the uh, phrase, it had nothing to do with the current popularity of it, sometimes connected with woke culture, but there's a, there's a good point to it. I remember reading a book on evangelization, one of the first ones that was written by Father Robert Rivers, a Paulist priest, uh, and he says, one of the things that's characteristic of our approach to evangelization as Catholics is we only see who's sitting in front of us. So we only see those who are currently coming to church. He says, we don't see all those Catholics who aren't coming to church. So we don't think about them. We don't pray about them. We don't reach out to them. And so evangelization never really happens and so far, except as it happens to trying to help people who are currently coming to church converted more, which is, of course, a wonderful thing. But he says, we got to begin to recognize what we don't see. And one of the things that, that's, I think, really true that's good about what's going on about that right now is sometimes we don't see those who serve. 
you know, my dad was a tremendous example of this. Like he, he, he tipped people in a way that scandalized me and he didn't have hardly any money. And he said, these are the people that need it the most. And that, that's been a tremendous kind of challenge to me, example to me, and try to follow in his footsteps. Sometimes we don't see those who are serving. We don't see those who aren't making a loud noise. We have the expression, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And that's true. We don't notice the unsqueaky oils who need some, excuse me, the unsqueaky wheels who need some oil too. We don't see those who are forgotten. We don't see those who are alone. We don't see the unbeautiful people. We don't see uh, the troublesome people. We don't want to see them. And so the Lord wants to help us to see just like we're seeing. The Lord sees us. You know, one of the things that we're saying these days to comfort people is, I see you. The Lord has been saying that to us ever since he created us. I see you. You are known. You are love. I see you and I'm caring for you and I'm watching over you. So right now, though, we are seeing more than we see. We are known more than we know. We are loved more than we love. But the day is coming when we will know and love as we have been known and loved. And this isn't going to just be knowing and loving God. But this is going to be knowing and loving each other. This is where real friendship, real communion, real love of become, become uh, amongst human beings will become perfect. There'll be no longer those ways in which we miss each other and misunderstand each other and don't get each other and are offended by each other and uh, never satisfy each other's needs. Because honestly, the underlying need is a metaphysical need. It's an ontological need. It's a structural need. It's the built-in imperfection of human life. It's the built-in irreducible loneliness. It's the built-in irreducible fact that we have no abiding city here below, that we're not citizens of any city of any nation. We're awaiting. We're awaiting the true city. We're waiting the Jerusalem to descend from above. We're waiting to be welcomed into the Father's house. We're welcome for the angel to take his flaming sword away and welcome us back into paradise where we will be filled with all the fullness of God. So we need to be realistic. One way of talking about this, sometimes people say, is the glass half empty or is it half full? Well, a lot of times it's both. Looked at one way, it's half empty. Looked at another way, it's half full. It's both. And so life on this earth is both. There's, there's a blessing to it. There's a goodness to it. There's a love to it. Uh, we should be tremendously grateful for what the Lord has given us, even though it's not perfect. But what he's given us is perfect. But life on this earth is not perfect. And we're not perfect. And our relationships aren't perfect. And there's a lot of suffering. And suffering is a necessary part of, of the journey. Suffering is a necessary part of the purification. Loneliness is even a necessary part of the purification because it leads us to a recognition that nothing and no one on this earth can fill us, maybe momentarily, maybe for periods of time, but eventually people are going to move away. Eventually people are going to die. And unfortunately, sometimes people are going to betray us or leave us or reject us or hurt us or worse. So let's thank God for the glass that's half full 
And let's recognize that the space and room there that needs to be filled by God himself. Let's begin to seek God himself when we recognize the emptiness. Let's take a look now at uh, one more scripture passage, Romans chapter 8. And uh, find a little marker here. Verses 15 to 27. This is pretty, pretty relevant to what we're talking about. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it's the spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided. We suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Suffering is a necessary part of the journey. It's the only way certain things in us are going to be wakened up, straightened out, made alive. It's the only way the purification that needs to happen for us to return to paradise can happen. Suffering is necessary. But here's, here's the good news. We can join our suffering with the suffering of Christ and turn it into redemptive prayer, redemptive suffering, crying out to God for our own salvation, crying out to God for the salvation of those we love, crying out to God for the fulfillment of all desire, crying out to God that those he's given us a responsibility for, they, they join us on the journey back to the Father's house. So let's go on. However, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing. During times of loneliness, there's a longing that, that's there in our soul. We're longing for our friend to return, or our spouse to return. We're longing for a spouse, or we're longing for a friend. We're longing for union with God. We're longing for love. We're longing to be seen, to be known, to be saved, to be held. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Oh, there's a futility in the human condition. There's a futility in the physical creation, but there's a futility in us. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope. It's not a hopeless futility. It's a futility filled with the promise of redemption, the promise of fullness, the promise of coming home to the Father's house, the promise of paradise restored. Because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage, the physical universe will be set free from its frustration, to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. So the whole physical creation is going to share in the glorious redemption of the human race. We know that the whole creation has been groaning with labor pains. Now, if you've been near to a woman in labor, you know, many of us have, they're strong. The labor pains are strong, very, very strong. They're, they're, 
in many cases, they're very painful. Of course, that was one of the things that was the result of the rebellion against God, that childbirth was going to be difficult. You know, the degree of it varies, of course, from person to person, circumstance to circumstance, but basically bearing a child is painful. Not only the creation ourselves, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit. Well, we know that the whole creation has been groaning with labor pains together until now. The pains are painful, but there's so much hope because they're labor pains. They're, they're pains, they're suffering that's going to bring forth new life if we hang in there, if we keep on believing, if we keep on hoping, if we keep on loving, even in the midst of our pain. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who do have the first fruits of the Spirit, but we only have the first fruits. We don't have the fullness of God. We don't have the fullness of redemption. We have the first fruits. The first fruits are fantastic. And what hope the first fruits give us for what's coming. We have the first fruits of the Spirit, but we groan inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, that we've already been adopted, but there's a fullness being taken. In. There's a fullness of being taken fully into God's family. It's not going to happen till we see him face to face, till we know and love as we've been known and loved. As we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. St. Thomas Aquinas says, even the souls that are already united with the Lord, who are no longer in purgatory, are still in a certain way longing to be reunited with their risen bodies and that the perfect happiness will not be ours until we're reunited with our risen bodies, which are glorified like the body of Jesus. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Be patient, brothers and sisters. Another way, word for patience is undergo suffering, endure. Jesus has told us, he who perseveres to the end will be saved. So endure suffering with patience. Endure loneliness with patience. Endure the inward groaning and longing for fulfillment with patience because it will come if we are faithful. If we keep on believing in Jesus, if we keep on hoping in Jesus, if we keep on loving Jesus and our neighbor as best we can as ourselves. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we might, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs. Those, those sighs in the valley of tears that we began with, though, that sighing, the sorrowful sighing, the longing sighing the hoping sighing, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. It's really the Spirit's right there in the center of our being, and along with our sighing, along with our weeping, along with our mourning. The Spirit is purifying that our sighs, purifying our mourning, purifying our weeping, our longing, and turning it to the fullness of union with God. Yield to the Holy Spirit who's moving our loneliness to long for God, who's moving our pain to long for God, who's moving our suffering to long for God. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is just another way of saying what St. Augustine said that's been so often quoted and so, so completely true. Our hearts are restless for you, O Lord, and they will not rest until they rest in you. There's a restlessness in all of us. There's an incompletion. There's an imperfection. There's a, there's a lack. You know, Pascal called it a God-shaped vacuum. There's something in us that will not be complete except for God. Our hearts are restless, Lord, and they will not rest until they rest in you. Now, I do have to say that the knowing and loving that we will experience when we're face-to-face with the Lord, where we know and love as we've been known and loved, is going to extend not just to our knowledge and love of God, but to our knowledge and love of each other. Relationships that were in the Lord here on earth are going to be perfect in heaven. God the Father uh, told Catherine and Sienna what it's going to be like. Catherine didn't know how to read or write until very late in her life, and she died at the age of 33. So she would ask God the Father questions. So she asked God the Father about What's our relationships going to be like in heaven? Are we still going to know each other? Are we still going to love each other? What's going to happen about the wounds and imperfections? So this is what God the Father shared with uh, St. Catherine. I'm sharing this from page 58 of The Fulfillment of All Desires. This is the book we based our Lenten and Advent missions on that you can still find on our YouTube channel. Although they are all joined in the bond of charity, They know a special kind of sharing with those whom they love most closely with a special love in the world, a love through which they grew in grace and virtue. They helped each other proclaim the glory and praise of my name in themselves and in their neighbors. So now in everlasting life, they have not lost that love. No, they still love and share with each other even more closely and fully, adding their love to the good of all. When a soul reaches eternal life, all share in her good and she in theirs. So in everlasting life, they have not lost the love they had on earth that was in the Lord. But the love is better. The love is deeper. The love is purer. The love no longer has with it lack of knowledge and lack of love. In heaven, we really see each other. And as deeply as we see and know each other, even more deeply do we love each other. So hang in there, brothers and sisters. Let loneliness and the imperfection of life on earth, let the acute moments of loneliness, the enduring loneliness, and the ontological metaphysical loneliness lead us to cry out to God and desire even more fully that union with him, which will lead us to more faithful prayer, more faithful suffering, more faithful sacrifice, more faithful service. Amen. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. For more information about Renewal Ministries, visit our website at renewalministries.net. Join us next week to find strength, hope, and courage for the Christian journey. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin.